Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is Jennifer Henderson, founder and CEO of Tilt, based in Fort Collins. Tilt is a company revolutionizing employee leave in the workplace. Their SaaS platform creates a human experience through technology to support every aspect of a leave of absence. Prior to founding Tilt, Jennifer spent 15 years in corporate America, and as you'll hear, had some pretty rough experiences that gave her the mission for starting her own company. Jen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Would love to hear a little bit about Tilt and uh, your story as a founder getting to this point. Yeah, my experience in bringing Tilt out of the earth is pretty common, I found, in the world of entrepreneurs in that it was completely born out of personal experience. So my background is I spent 15 years in corporate America, always working for Fortune 500 companies in operational roles, and I loved everything about it. There was nothing about being a career woman that at that time I wasn't enjoying and leaning into with everything that I had. And in tandem, in the early days of my career, I also went through seven years of in vitro fertilization with my husband trying to get pregnant. So all of that lack of control and frustration, I doubled down on my career. So I got really accustomed to top of the nine box, promoted every two years, all the things. And then we got lucky and we had one cycle that took in those seven years and I became pregnant with my son. And when I announced to my organization that I was now expecting, overnight, I stopped getting invited to the table and I stopped getting those stretch assignments. Nothing had changed other than the fact I was now expecting. So that was the first lived experience of something is wrong. But I'll tell you what, I was just elated to be uh, expecting after that long journey that we had. So I turned the other cheek, got back on the horse, back to work, etc. And then five years later, different company, different stage of my career. Uh, I announced I was expecting with my second. And I actually at that point had a promotion rescinded. So that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I said quite transparently, this is bullshit. And I was very, very angry. And that's what led to me, yes, seeking counsel, first and foremost, because what happened was very illegal. But what people don't talk about in pursuing that route is that you have to sell your story. Essentially, I would be signing a piece of paper telling me that I would never talk about what had happened to me again. Hush money is how I interpreted it. And I wasn't willing to do that. So I walked away from pursuing legal action. I walked away from a very nice paycheck and a a career I'd spent almost two decades building. And I jumped into this world of entrepreneurship. Honestly, naivete was truly a blessing because I don't know if I would have had the guts had I known what I was jumping into uh, five and a half years ago now. Wow. I mean, talk about turning something that was clearly a, a really rough experience, clearly an unfair experience into what now is a really thriving company. That's, that's an incredible, incredible turn of events. Yeah. It's a hell of a fire in your belly. I'll tell you that. Good motivation I've learned. Love to hear a little bit more about then where Tilt's at today. I mean, it's a really impressive journey that, that we've seen just in the last few years. Thank you. Yes, we are, as I said, five and a half years old on paper. But really, those first couple of years were what I call the analog days. I, as a first-time female founder, needed to understand what the hell is a pro forma versus a PL, which I could recite in my sleep. But they're not the same, as we all know. So I had a very steep learning curve those first couple of years. So we didn't come out of the box selling until we were about two years old in terms of formation age. 
And we now today uh, have over 85 tilters that span the U.S. We're a fully remote company. We like to say we were doing it before it was cool. We've always been fully remote. And uh, we support over 160 companies in all things leave of absence in terms of how they're supporting their employees. And in a lot of ways, it feels like we're just getting started. Although I'll tell you, every time someone calls us early stage, I I ruffle a little bit. Definitely. You, you, I'm sure you have the scars to, <laughs> to rebut it's that true. a little bit. Yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you know, you know, the more you grow, the more employees you take on, it doesn't get any easier. There's just new challenges. So true. So <laughs> true. Mon- more money, more problems. It's not just a rap song, I like to say. So I think, Jen, you might be in almost 40 episodes, our first guest based in Fort Collins. That's what and- I found as well, yeah. And uh, as we were talking before the show a little bit, you're, you might be one of the most long-tenured Coloradans as well. I'd love to hear how long ago did you move here? How did you end up in Fort Collins? And what's it been like to build a company based there? Yeah, I've been here almost 30 years now. Wound up in Colorado uh, due to my parents separating and getting divorced. This is where my mom grew up and always used to say that the mountains got under her skin. So she wanted to come back. Lucky for me that she did that. And we kind of have never looked back outside of some uh, college years where I flew the coop, you know, wanted to spread my wings for a while and did some international traveling, but came back home. So I've been here for a long time, Fort Collins, uh, in that very early formative years, high school, college, this is where we resided. And um, my husband's family is from Fort Collins. It has been an interesting journey is what I'll say, being a founder in Fort Collins, however. It's different what, than Boulder and Denver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Boulder and Denver have always and continue to be the epicenter, but we see a lot of activity in Fort Collins, certainly, you know, been been growing as a city and destination for folks in the last few years. What have you found there, good, good, bad, or otherwise? Well, the benefit of it being a very small entrepreneurial ecosystem is we all know each other. So we have a very tight network of individuals who are there to truly support and offer resources as people need it. When I was first coming up and, and going through those analog days of what the hell is a pro forma, I mean, I can't even tell you how many people were immediately receptive to the coffees back when that was a normal thing to do and meetings of my own education. And it was just a community effort in every way, shape and form. And now that I'm at this stage of development, anytime that I can, I try to to reciprocate and help emerging entrepreneurs here in the Fort Collins ecosystem as well. Um, so awesome. we're, we're trying. I, I serve on the Entrepreneurial Institute board at Colorado State University. Being a college town brings with it a ton of resources. So I want to make sure that we're opening those resources to entrepreneurial communities as well. But we have a, lot, a long way to go. I think we probably just need a couple of companies like, like yours. I know there's some other great entrepreneurs up there that, that we know as well to really, really take hold, take off, and start seeding that next generation of founders uh, to spin out of those successful businesses to really make Fort Collins, you know, equal to, to Boulder and Denver. Yeah, no pressure, Adam. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. We're counting on you, Jen. We're counting on you. Uh, it's not the first time I've heard it. Yeah, we're, we, uh, we're trying every day. Good, 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 good. Well, we'd love to hear, you've known a lot of other founders, both in Fort Collins and, and across mm-hmm. the Front Range. What's a, another company, aside from Tilt, that you're particularly excited about that's being built here right now? For me, it's the entrepreneurs that I've seen grow, usually a little bit ahead of me. So I think about the Sheets and Giggles team. I think about Goodbye Gear. But I, I, my answer to this question and reflection for today's conversation was really Suna. I think Liz has been um, an incredible voice in the entrepreneurial market, a female founder. She's actually expecting and or welcoming her first child right now as well. And we 
have had a lot of great interactions throughout the years. And I just truly look to her as, as being a disruption force for the female founder community here in Colorado. Obviously, we, we love that answer. We're huge fans of, of Liz and Suna. And actually, she just, her and her husband just welcomed their their first daughter a few weeks ago. So congrats to, to Liz. That's great. That's great. She was very well, pregnant last I saw her. So I knew it was impending. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I uh, want to jump into the, the reason why we're here, which is to discuss your biggest lesson. So I'd love to hear what that is, how you've learned that, and how you've put the lessons into practice that you've learned in your career. My biggest lesson is the advice that I'm, I give every time people ask, what do you tell an emerging entrepreneur or someone who wants to be an entrepreneur after I say, don't do it, uh, is really making sure that you have that connective tissue and visceral reaction to the problem that you're solving. So for me and my lived experience and my journey of what happened to me in corporate America, I literally have a living, breathing five-year-old that stares at me every day. And my daughter who I've always said, if I can't fix this problem by the time she enters the workforce, for me, that will be some version of failure because I can't stomach that um, happening to her. And unfortunately, what happened to me is not unique and it is still happening today pretty pervasively. So that visceral connection to the problem that we're doing has got me through so many ups and downs, predominantly the downs, that I cannot imagine. And honestly, hats off to the entrepreneurs who don't have that same kind of mind, body, spirit belief in why this needs to exist in the world. So I know it can be done. I've seen amazing startups come out of different motivating factors. But for me, my biggest lesson is I know I would have quit a hundred times over and gone back to a comfy, cushy paycheck and a comfy, cushy organization had I not had this little being staring at me every day. Um, who I des- who deserves to have a better experience than I had. That's amazing. I mean, that that is absolutely a, a something that we look for too, Jen and entrepreneurs. You, people can call it founder market fit, but it's really the idea. I was just talking to someone last week who was deciding whether to start a business, right? That, it, it, as you mentioned, get advice, giving advice to founders. And I asked, and I asked them, is this something that you feel like you have to do? that you have mm-hmm. no choice and are compelled to do, right? And that to me is the real litmus test. Sounds like that's what you face as well. Absolutely, without question. It's one of those things, I, I never followed the follow your passion advice, but I do believe in what you're sitting there on a couch on a Sunday afternoon, mindlessly scrolling through your phone and what stops you. What is that thing that stops you or what is in your feed that is something that, it's not work, it's not a passion, it's just this, you can't imagine your life not learning or being a part of that conversation. And for it's me, that's who you are. It, it's who exactly. you are, right? Exactly. exactly. You know, yeah. another another framework here, and not that we as investors would ever do this, but the, the idea is if we as an investor were to call you, the founder, at three in the morning and say, I want to talk about leave. I want to talk, right? <laughs> you should be excited <laughs> if you're not a little tired. But the idea being this is who you are. This is what you're obsessed with. This is what your um, your purpose is. Yeah, love that. That exactly. And call me anytime at three AM. We can talk to you about. So look, maybe it could be a little more tactical. The idea around getting this really getting you through rough times. Inevitably, a business is going yeah. to have those moments to roller coaster. Is there one or two times you can think about specifically that were, were particularly challenging? That this really is what got you through. Yeah, I think the most recent and honestly the worst day I've ever had at tilt to date um, was with this current round that we are finishing right now. Uh, We were really, truly lucky enough to be offered two different term sheets from two different investors for this round, which in in hindsight feels a little 
crazy in the current economic climates, but we did, we got that. And so after the celebration of this is an awesome place to be, got down to, well, which one are we going to pick? And one came with double the, the check size than the other. And one was essentially the round was finished and we could get back to work. Now, what came out of the negotiations when we were issued the term sheet is one of the investors had pretty founder unfriendly terms that they would cite the economic market in terms of we want to get paid first, we want to get paid more, all of the things. And it was a very, very difficult is an understatement decision, but I'll never forget one of our board members who has been with me since the back of the napkin days, a conversation we had about three hours before one of the term sheets expired. And he said, why, why are you doing this? And which one of these term sheets feels more authentic to you and to this mission and to this, this life's work that you're bringing into the world? Because this term sheet over here, it just doesn't feel like tilt. So he really brought me back to my roots and my fire in my belly and all of those things that I shared earlier in terms of why I do this. And ultimately, we, we selected the term sheet that I'm incredibly thankful, grateful for the new partners um, on this ride with us. But money clouded everything for me. It really, truly did. It was what is till it, it was just it really was the hardest day I've ever had at this company. And so, um, yeah, I needed to be reminded. Oh, well, thanks for thanks for sharing that. I think certainly in this current fundraising environment, um, as you mentioned, right, that's that's incredible to get multiple term sheets and have that that opportunity. But what you're seeing, and I think what you experienced in terms of a structured round with really investor, super investor friendly terms and onerous terms for the company, something that a lot of entrepreneurs are wrestling with right now. Mm-hmm. And so interesting to, to hear how you work, work through that. Mm-hmm. How, change the subject a little bit, going back to this idea of mission and getting you through the ups and downs, how do you think about that in terms of the rest of your team, right? Clearly, they don't have the exact yeah. same ownership, motivation, purpose, staring back at them that you did that caused you to start this company, but but clearly you want to get that mission embedded in, in everything they do too. How do you think about that? Yeah, I'll answer that from two different angles. You, you had a guest recently on your show that talked about doing work that isn't necessarily mission aligned, but still loving it or something that isn't mission. And it really resonated with me because thinking that we have 85 people who have the same level of, level of visceral reaction to this problem in the world is crazy. Like that's, we're not going to find that, but we do have a good handful. I will say that have a shared lived experience back to my statement. This is not a unique experience, what I went through. Um, So we do have a lot of those that could share a very, very similar story. However, I have said since the beginning, and this is really a testament to my 20 years in industry of, of leading, developing, hiring and firing teams. We will win this market and we will take first place because of the people that we're surrounding ourselves with and the people that we do this work with first and the product and the problem that we're solving second. And that's a bit of a flip of mindset, especially when I'm talking to investors, but it's something I just won't bend on because I truly believe and have experienced time and time again, the work that you're doing, it can be the best work of your life or the worst work of your life, depending on who you're doing that work with. And the work itself comes secondary. So bringing this wonderful solution into the world and truly changing people's lives and some of the stories that I can share with you about these, the impact that our team is making in the world is not insignificant, but with the wrong leaders in place and the wrong culture and the wrong company, all of that goes out the window and I'm going to lose my team. So it is imperative to me that we are investing in how we're creating this culture 
so that people want to be here and do have the structure and the support to do their life's best work. We just happen to be bringing a really amazing, life-changing solution to the world. That's really interesting just to drill a little deeper on that tactically. So you've got some team members who obviously are are unfortunately going to have some of the same lived experience that you did and they're going to be fired up because of that. But certainly a lot aren't. And as you get bigger and bigger, that's going to become a little bit more diffuse, right? How do you bring that that mission as much as you can to the rest of the team? How do you share some of those stories and impacts to keep them fired up and, and getting through those down moments that inevitably will, will happen? Yeah, it starts with recruiting. Our recruiter is armed with storytelling from the minute that she engages with a candidate. So we are bringing to life the work that we do through stories throughout the employee life cycle, all the way through that first touch of recruiting. And then once we go through what we call Launchpad, which is our onboarding experience, Again, those proof points and those stories around what this work is doing for the world and each other as an internal tilt network are embedded throughout that launch pad curriculum. And then as people continue to grow within the organization and have their one, two, three, four year anniversaries, we have those moments, whether it be through our standing quarterly all hands meeting. Um, we're just starting a newsletter this quarter to try to double down on our communication methodology. Uh, those customer love stories are a are a foundation to our communication. And we've done nothing but amplify those. Um, I could talk all day tactically about the cultural components that we do at Till. I will say I'm notorious for saying that my family hasn't stood behind me for five years to just create another, another company, another pattern match that we've all experienced. One of the things that I've stuck my stake in the ground on is we will never do annual performance reviews. It may feel very small in terms of tactics, but for me, it's an immense demonstration of I'm just not willing to build that kind of company. I think that performance reviews on an annual basis are complete and total garbage for all the reasons we could have a whole nother conversation about. And that's just one of those examples of putting to action my belief that we can build a different kind of company. I love that. That's that's great. And it's it's refreshing to hear when founders like you take a stand against something that's just a conventional wisdom as opposed to going with yeah. it and figuring out what makes best sense for your company, right? Because you're building yeah. something something different. Have you ever, just on the, the counter here, have you ever had any team members who you feel like maybe weren't kind of on board with the mission and you actually had to let them go for for those type of reasons um, separate from from just performance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know one of your guests has said we have a no assholes rule and I will say we similarly have the same we had a very high high level position, executive position, and this individual um, did not reflect our virtues. And we very intentionally used the word choice of virtues, not values, it's values and action, um, to the point of being incredibly disrespectful to fellow teammates. And this person's technical acumen and um, competence was off the charts, but it was a full stop. Um, no, we couldn't tolerate that. And it's something that we made the incredibly difficult decision in a tech company um, to make a change that had very significant implications. But I can't look at the rest of my team and say, I'm going to turn a blind eye to that type of behavior. But everybody else, here's the virtues that we say that we live by. I've been a part and seen too many companies where it's on the flap of a handbook. This is our virtues. This is our mission statement. Um, and nothing actually comes to life about that. And that's one of those other differences that I feel passionate about. We, we need to put our money where our mouth is and our, and our actions where our virtues are, are communicated. Jen, I think I'm going to steal that virtues and not values. I think that is so true and so important. We've all seen companies that have incredible value statements, but actually are not practiced 
And so rem- remembering that it's actually the practice that matters more than the statement itself, I think is, is really, really smart. Uh, well, well, thanks for sharing all this with yeah. us. Congrats on all the continued um, success with, with Tilt and best of luck going forward. Where can our listeners follow along with what you're up to uh, with Tilt? Yeah, we're most active on LinkedIn from a social media presence and you can find us at hellotilt.com. Thanks so much, Jen. 